Welcome to the Dog Friendly KW Podcast with your hosts, Justine and Mackenzie on Midtown Radio KW. Today we are joined by Marta Schellest from the Ontario Coalition Against BSL. The Ontario Coalition Against BSL was founded to bring leading advocates in Ontario together to fight against one common foe, discrimination laws against responsible owners and their family pets. The coalition works together from all across Ontario to push for laws that will no longer instantly criminalize responsible owners in the province. Let's go. Welcome to the Dog Friendly KW Podcast with your hosts, Justina McKenzie on Midtown Radio KW. And today we're here with Marta from Ontario Coalition Against BSL to discuss their work across Ontario to fight against legislation that discriminates against breeds. Welcome, Marta. Welcome. Nice to be here with you guys. Thank you so much for being here. We're so excited you're here. I'm very excited. This is very long overdue. Um, we did have a Chrissy um, probably about a year and a half ago. It's been a while ago now from um, Miss Dixie's and all of her work with uh, BSL. So she was on not that long ago, but such an important topic. So we're very excited to have you here on behalf of the Ontario Coalition Against BSL. So let's just dive right in. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, of course, Tell us about your pepperonis. <laughs> of course. Uh, so I've been part of the coalition for, to be honest, it feels like not very long, but I think it's been almost four or five years now. Um, I've been a bully advocate for years. Uh, I never actually intended to get a bully myself, but I was handed one as an adoption and here we are. So it was one of those situations where it was unplanned, but I love him and he is my baby. And now I have two, but besides the point, <laughs> I feel like you adopt one, you end up with multiple anyways, right? And what are their names? Uh, so Logan is my first rescue. And as per his DNA, he is actually an American bulldog chow mix. Interesting. Yeah. That's oh. where he gets his orange coloring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then so Logan and and Stella, and so Stella is actually the reason why BSL is so important because Stella looks like a purebred bully, but she is actually a hundred percent Doberman and Rottweiler mix. She's got no bully in her. But if we were to just go by physical description, unfortunately, she does fit the size, the height, the description of a bully breed. Super interesting. Well, uh, compliments on the names of your dogs. Mackenzie and I are both big fans of human names for dogs. So Logan and Stella, we love it. 
Me too. I love human names. I, I love hearing like Doug being shouted and you see this tiny beagle. <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> Amazing. All right, Ken's well. Important topic, so let's get into it. Kenzie, you want to kick us off with the first question? Yes, I do. All right, Marta, can you start by telling us about the Ontario Coalition Against BSL? What does the coalition do, and why is your work so important? So, the coalition is actually four groups that came together, which includes um, Hershey's Law, or sorry, Hershey's Against BSL, uh, the United Paws, Ontario's. Save Ontario's Pitbulls, and Ottawa Citizens Against Breed-Specific Legislation. So the four groups came together so that they could do work all throughout Ontario. And then that way, if there happens to be an issue in a part that another part of our group is, they can handle it. Uh, our group our, our group goal is obviously to change the language that is in DOLA, which is the Dog Owners uh, Liability Act. So our goal is to have any breed language removed from that. And our work is very important because... Quite frankly, it's time to admit that the Pipple ban never worked. We've seen an increase of up to 168% dog bites since the ban has been put in place by non-bully breeds. So it's time to realize that we have to put the onus on the other end of the leash. Instead of putting it on the breed, we have to start putting it on the owner. So that's our main goal is to take all breed language out so that our communities are actually safe because we're putting ownership or putting responsibility on the owners, making them more responsible and putting severe fines in place for those situations, which we don't really have right now. By removing that language, we'd be removing it from both DOLA as well as the Animal Research Act. This helps all owners become responsible equally and be treated equally. Instead, right now, we're only punishing owners who own bully breeds or any dog that has similar characteristics. And I think that's something a lot of people forget is that the law is written in such a loose way that many breeds outside of bully breeds can be targeted. Okay, quick question based on that. So mm -hmm. I have a Italian greyhound and my Italian greyhound bites somebody. Is what you're saying that because my little dog doesn't fit the standard of a bully breed, it like doesn't really matter. Whereas if she was, you know, looked like a, a you know, bully breed of some sort, then it, this, it would take a totally different direction. We'd go down this path of this like BSL stuff. Yes. So unfortunately, that is the case. It's not that yours wouldn't matter. You would still, you're still looking at a 10 day quarantine and assessment of aggression, etc. Unfortunately, a bully breed won't get that second chance. So immediately now the owner's getting charged for breaking DOLA. So now you're charged with possessing an illegal breed. So which then? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So now you're looking at very different charges depending on what you're owning in terms of what breed you own, right? And but the best example of this is not even the dog bites, but let's say your dog runs off or like gets away from you, your leash, you drop your leash by accident. The consequences for you versus a bully breed are very different in the sense that you get your dog back. But prior to the amendments that Doug Ford did, a bully owner didn't get their dog back just for letting go of a leash, just for the dog escaping a door. And you know what? Yeah, that's where this is just rattles my brain because you that dog that, you know, may have slipped through the door one time by accident could be a perfectly well, you know, family member, uh, perfectly, you know, uh, behaved in the home. But yep. 
just because yeah just because that one instance happened then your your sol which is just so heartbreaking to think that people's dogs can be taken away from them just like that so yeah and you know luckily ontario most of ontario has been not destroying dogs as the language is used but been shipping them out however unfortunately there was a time where that was the practice was the dog was immediately euthanized so you know you're looking at punishing responsible owners but we're not actually pun but we're not taking care of the irresponsible ones i just a personal story a couple years ago this was pre-covid i was walking logan in my neighborhood and there was somebody who had two off-leash dogs um a small white dog and a husky and the husky came running at logan immediately i put him behind me so that he wouldn't like nothing would happen to avoid the situation and unfortunately this this is just such, this put such a sour taste in my mouth the first thing the owner said wasn't let me leash my dog it was oh well we both know if something were to happen your dog's to blame because oh my of greed God. that was the very first words that this person said to me instead of apologizing for their dog being off leash so this is where we're realizing that we're encouraging bad ownership because people know their dog gets a slap on the wrist because it's not a bully breed yeah that's so scary it's uh, like and and as like a large dog owner like it's 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 terrifying and it it really like you're not the first bully owner or large dog owner that I have heard a similar story of I have put myself my physical body in between my dog and another dog mm-hmm. because I would rather get bit essentially by another dog than have my dog end up in an altercation and it be my dog's fault exactly you know Um, and at that point we are looking at more dog bites (laughs) like I hate to say it but we are because that dog may not have bit at this situation but any other situation that dog is off leash it actually is a risk to our community yeah absolutely okay let's let's go into the next question so so much of your work is based on peer-reviewed literature that highlights that there really is no such thing as a again, air quotes, dangerous breed. So would you be able to speak a little bit to this research and just give us some highlights of what that looks like? Yes. So actually, when all of this went into place, which was March 2004, is when the first legislation was opened up by the Liberal government, uh, there was peer reviews, and it was 49 to 1. So it was 49 actual uh, vet professionals who said that breed-specific legislation does not work and voted against it, and one voted yes. So with that, you're looking at 49 to 1 saying, we've seen this tested everywhere. We've seen it in other countries. Um, It's not working. And if we actually look at the past three to four years specifically, including the last year with Denver, and Denver being a big one because we all know how bad their uh, BSL was, with Denver lifting their uh, BSL, their pit bull ban, and multiple other places, I believe in the last year alone, 40 places that were enforcing BSL have lifted. Ontario at this point is the largest uh, we are also the more, most severe in terms of how we enforce it. So with the longest standing was Denver and that being lifted, we should be following that example. But we should also be following the example of provinces who have, such as Alberta, removed bans and implemented basically the same law that we were trying to pass with Bill 147 that unfortunately was tabled or died that way. But 
look at how successful their dog bites are. Look at how successful changing this and putting the onus on the owner has been for them. And that's where we need to start looking at not only peer-reviewed research, which we are looking at, but also other provinces and other countries and other cities and states, et cetera, who have used this model and are seeing much more success than we are. They're not seeing these numbers rising constantly. So just for our listeners out there, um, is Ontario the only province that has this BSL um, legislation still in effect? Yes. So in terms of province, yes, we are the largest uh, and we are the only in the world. We are actually the only province that has it. There are bylaws in other places, but we are the only full province slash state that does enforce BSL. Damn. Get with the times, Ontario. (laughs) Yep. <laughs> right. Not the only thing we need to get with the times on. But. No. And at this point, we're at 16 and a half years. Um, we've had Bill 147 was the third time we were going in. It wasn't even the first one. It was the third bill that was on the table, obviously dying due to COVID uh, because of the prolonged government. But I mean, luckily with everything Doug Ford did, we definitely owe him a lot for the amendments he's made and he has promised to lift B- or to reappeal BSL for us. So we're crossing our fingers and really put- putting pressure on all of our MPPs. Look at that. Dougie. Dougie, not for the people, but he's for the dogs. Yeah. <laughs> we see you, Dougie. We see you. All right. All right. I could go on about that. Okay. Thank you for sharing all of that, Marta. That is very important information. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back to discuss some current trends and issues that you're seeing in the BSL space. to the dog-friendly kw podcast with your hosts justine and mackenzie on midtown radio kw today we are talking with marta from ontario coalition against bsl so in the first half of today's episode we discussed some background on the uh, coalition and also the research behind their work so let's get back into it justine what do we have next yeah so marta what are some current issues or trends that you're currently seeing in the BSL world? Uh, So a big one that I'm seeing, especially in some of the bully groups on Facebook, is people have become really comfortable with BSL not being enforced in their areas. And unfortunately, that's not something we can predict. Um, I can think of one area where BSL wasn't enforced until a couple months ago, and now it's heavily being enforced. So we're seeing this trend of people saying, oh, no, no, it's fine for you to have a bully, like you're totally fine. And those of us in the coalition are sitting here like, that's not true. Like you can't, unfortunately, you can't always feel safe. Even, I mean, we do have areas like Ottawa and Toronto have made it clear that they will not enforce. But in other places in Ontario, I'm seeing this level of comfort set in that, oh, well, not my dog. 
But unfortunately, that's not the reality. And it can be any dog. And it has been random places. So it's just, it's almost like it's been around for so long that people are like, well, I haven't been caught yet. Well, every owner we've gone to court for has said the same thing. I'm also seeing that a lot of breeders are popping up. So we're seeing this big influx in bully breed puppies. So uh, I have something. I have a question around that. Yes. Are are these just puppies that people are, um, I want to use the word putting together because I can't think of a better word for it, um, that just happen to look like bully breeds, like as an example. So I have, a, I have a, a good friend who actually breeds Staffordshire Bull Terriers. They're Canadian Kennel Club registered. She technically, like, she's based in Ontario, which is sketchy, um, enough as is, but like, she is a registered breeder who is breeding to breed standard and following all of the, you know, health testing and stuff. And then, yeah, I see it too. I see a lot of these bully breeds show up and they will be like American bully or, um, they'll call them like pitbull mixes, whatever scary breed name they want to call them. Um, and the, I don't know, you tell me, Marta, you're, you're really, um, a part of this community. Do you find that it's like, how do I say this softly? The um, the training that goes on behind these breeds is like meant to be scary. Like a lot of people do like protection work with them and stuff or like want their dog to be like menacing and scary and barky. And, uh, do you do you find that a lot that or do you think that maybe that's just, you know, some people do really well with bully breeds and other people don't like what what are your thoughts behind that? So that's a little bit twofold. Um in terms of Staffordshire Bull Terriers, they are part of the banned list. So even as registered, you're still taking a risk in Ontario unless you're shipping the puppies out. Um, that being said, technically, if we were to be very technical, American bullies are legal. However, American bullies or even a short hair lab can be put into Clause E, which is any dog with any similar characteristics. So while I see a lot of breeders breeding this American Bulldog, American Bully mix, we have to remember that American bullies actually do descend from four breeds and one of them is a pit bull. But also we have to realize that all those dogs still fall under Clause E. As much as these breeders try to guarantee these dogs are safe, I can show you some of the dogs you've been in court for and trust me, they didn't even look like pit bulls. One looked like a husky mix. I, I remember years ago there was a dog that was like white and it looks like a shepherd mix and it fell under the BSL um, legislation and everybody was and everybody was like what like how like yeah I I, I, I hear you that yeah. was Ringo yeah and I mean yeah it was a senior dog that was taken and so we're seeing a lot of that um, in terms of scary looking dogs. I'm actually finding that bullies are very much being advertised as like the single girl's dog or the family dog, etc. But now we're looking at, we're seeing a lot of other breeds that I'd rather not mention only because I don't want to push these other breeds, but we are seeing other breeds being used as like these scary dogs. The problem is, do I think that a bully is for everyone? No, but I also don't think any dog is for everyone. You know, I think Every dog has its place, its purpose, etc. For me, I love Australian Shepherds. Would I have one? No, because I 
that's not the type of dog I would, that would fit my lifestyle. I also know that I wouldn't be able to give it the mental stimulation that it would need to be happy, but I can give my dog the physical because I hike a lot. So I think a lot of these people are not necessarily looking at dog genetics and what any of these dogs need, but they're looking at aesthetics, purely aesthetics. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And we're seeing a lot of breeders color shopping. So looking for the... Oh, no. Exactly. You know, like this is a big thing that we're seeing is color shopping is huge right now. So people are literally buying a dog based on the coloring it has, not the breed, not the breeder information, not health testing, none of that. So, okay, you got a pretty looking puppy that could be sick by the age of two. Yeah, yeah, that happens so often um, with, uh, I, I want to say, like exotic bully breeders yes. or whatever you want to call them. You see that so much and it's so it's so sad. These dogs just look like they're not happy by the time they're like three. <laughs> um, okay, uh, let's move on. Uh, Justine, this is a good question for you to ask. Yeah, so let's say I'm a bully owner, mm-hmm. let's say, hypothetical, or hypothetical, I have a dog that, again, has those characteristics that could appear to be a bully. Mm-hmm. What can I do to keep my dog safe? So I actually just recently did a huge post about this because I think it's very important for people to realize that if you are owning any dog that can fall characteristic-wise under the ban, whether you think it's a bully or not, it's always best to be safe. I always tell people, avoid dog parks with dogs like that. Make sure your dog is always leashed. And the most, or the, typically the, whenever we actually need to step in as the coalition, it's because the dog's been on the loose. It's not always irresponsible ownership. Things happen, but make sure you're checking your fences regularly. Put an extra deadbolt on your gates in the backyard. Uh, For myself, I actually have extra baby gates by the front door just in case. And like my dogs are trained, but things happen. Accidents happen. So I always do that. Um, And whenever you're traveling with your dog, I always say crate your dog. But I say that to everybody for safety purposes. But again, if anything were to happen, the dog's not just going to go running loose. So Things like that are always going to be my number one things, but I always will say, and I'll say this to every dog owner, make sure you're investing time in training. It doesn't have to be a $10,000 training package. It just needs to be make sure your dog has the recall. Make sure they have those basic commands so that if there were ever an emergency, you can call your dog off. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't, like, I don't let my dog off leash because... I don't have the confidence that I could call him off. He is not there yet. So I, Marshall literally does not go off leash ever. We have a long line that we use in certain circumstances, but that is it because that is not something that I am prepared to risk. On your vein of like not letting dogs get loose, if I could offer people one tip, it would be a martingale collar. Um, It is so easy for dogs to slip out of flat collars and then you've got a dog running around with no tags, no collar. So um, having a martingale so they can't slip out of it. And then if you're using any tools, you can safety it to the tools. So if you're using a prong and it pops off, you still have hold of your dog on, um, on their collar. Yeah, lots of ways to make sure you keep them safe. But those are really great tips. It's true. When I look at my dog, like he's wearing a thick collar on top of that, he's wearing his prong, everything. We use a prong catcher. And then on top of that, we're using a leash. So yes, it can look like a lot, but I'm going to put my dog's safety first. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else that um, bully owners or owners of 
fully like dog should kind of keep in mind, maybe when they're out in the community or engaging with other people or engaging with other dogs or things like that? I mean, I personally don't allow my dog to just engage with any dogs that I don't personally know. Um, We do pack walks pretty regularly, but again, it's with dogs that I know, owners that I'm comfortable with, people that can take the constructive criticism can also give me constructive criticism. So we do a lot of walks like that. I would never put Logan in a situation that I know he's not going to be comfortable in, and that would be anything off leash, meeting dogs he doesn't know, any uncomfortable situations of that sort. Um... I also, the coalition has a lot of programs in place in terms of preventing dog bites and child safety. And I know the Humane Society is also doing that. I think that is so important. And personally, while I trust my dogs, I still avoid the situations of having them come near in contact with kids because I don't have children, which means that they don't get exposed to it very often. So I think you have to know your dog. You know what your dog is comfortable with, what environments will they succeed in and will they fail in and just keep them out of those ones that they can fail in. So that's where balance training comes into play, where people get so upset about prongs, etc. But even those of us who use tools, we're always putting our dogs into situations where they can succeed. So we're rewarding that behavior. Amen. Amen. And such a good point about kids because, I mean, we were we just um, recorded a podcast um, with, I'm not going to spoil it because it's very exciting, but if we were talking about, you know, coexisting with kids and babies and dogs and just talking about how unpredictable children are and how do we make sure that our dogs feel safe and comfortable when they are interacting with children, whether it's your child or somebody else's child. And I, I mean, it's kind of scary for me how many times a parent has let their kid like boot Marshall on the nose or like fully grab his snoot. And I'm like, whoa, like what just like, I've had kids just fly out of left field and like boop him on the head. And luckily he just, he, I think he knows, oh, they're kids, whatever, but makes me so nervous. And um, these things happen. And the amount of times that I'm putting my body in between Marshall and another dog or between Marshall and another person, because I've told them I don't want to do intros and then they don't listen. And yeah, I feel like with bigger dogs or bully-like breeds, we're just kind of always on guard. It's true. And you know, the one thing I did miss earlier is muzzle training. I think that's also important, but that's not just bully breeds. I personally muzzle train all of my dogs for exactly, you know, because people forget that muzzles isn't just for aggression. If your dog breaks their leg and they're in pain, they are now considered unpredictable to you. I would not touch Marshall if he had a significant injury without a muzzle on. Exactly. And you know, and you can't predict it. So I fully support muzzle training. Um, We do structured walks where Logan's still in his muzzle. Logan has been going to his groomer for ages uh, because they're very bully friendly, but I still muzzle him all the time just because I'd rather be safe than sorry. Amazing. Yeah, muzzles are an incredible tool. And if you have a properly fitted basket muzzle, your dog can pant, drink, eat the whole nine yards. Um, It's not uncomfortable or painful or cruel for them. It is actually a very kind thing you can do for your dog to keep them safe in so many circumstances. I 100% agree with that. Well, thank you for sharing all of that, Marta. That was amazing. Um, We're going to be right back with our Kibbles and Bits segment. (laughs) 
right. It is now time for a segment we like to call Kibbles and Bits. Uh, in this segment, we learn bits of information about our guests through a series of fun questions. So, Marta, are you ready to experience Kibbles and Bits? Yes. <laughs> we love the enthusiasm. Okay. First question. What is your favorite outdoor spot in Kitchener-Waterloo to take your pups? Uh, Homer Watson Park. Ooh, good choice. Right? That is pretty. That is right down the road from my house, and I have never been there. Oh, it's gorgeous. Shame on me. It's not right down the road. right down the road from my house. Homer Watson Park. That's like right down the road. I don't think you're thinking of the right park. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's behind the Waterloo Region Museum. Oh, never mind. Never mind. Different park. It's on Homer Watson, but it's not the Homer Watson Park. Okay. You're co- let's, confused. let's move on. What else is new? I'm always confused. All right. <laughs> All right. Next. Um, what is the number one bite prevention tip you'd share with dog owners? This one's pretty specific, but. Uh, muzzle your dog and keep them out of situations that could make them uncomfortable. Love it. Nailed it. Snaps for Marta. (laughs) Love it, love it. Okay, last question. Why is BSL advocacy so important to you? It's very important to me for multiple reasons, but the number one reason, well, obviously it does include my dogs, so it is very personal, but also because I think a lot of people don't realize that not only are we not keeping our community safe with the current laws we have, but also everyone with a dog that's about 40 to 80 pounds, short-haired and a block head, does fall into that category. So even though you may not have a bully breed, this should affect you, or could at least some, at some point. Amazing. Well, thank you for sharing that, Marta. That wraps up our segment of Kibbles and Bits. We will be right back with one final question for you. You've been listening to the Dog Friendly KW Podcast. Today, we have been talking to Marta from Ontario Coalition of BSL. So, Marta, thank you so much today for sharing such valuable information. Um, Before we wrap up, we just have one last question for you. So, what is a piece of advice that you would give to a non-bully breed owner to help with the coalition? So that's actually a really great question. One thing that I've noticed in terms of our last rallies in the last two years It's nice to see non-bully owners show up with their dogs to support responsible ownership because BSL, removing the breed-specific language will help our communities, like I've said multiple times. But it's nice to see non-bully owners understand that as well and understand that safer communities means safer communities for not just our children, not just our adults, but also other dogs. We've had many... uh, doodles actually showing up and German Shepherds, Rottweilers and Dobermans to a lot of our hikes and a lot of our rallies because they realize, especially with all of the power breeds, they realize their breed could be next or at some point was targeted. So it's nice to see the support from other breeds because as I said, at some point it could be your breed too. That's crazy to think about. Let's hope it never gets there. I am, I am team 
coalition BSL. I want this. I well, want this well gone. Said, and I'm sure. Let's <laughs> <laughs> articulate that really, really well. Okay. Very important. <laughs> if our listeners would like to get in touch or they want to learn more um, about the Ontario Coalition for BSL or if they want to help, where can they find you? How can they get involved? So if you want to sign the petition, petition it's at endtheband.ca which is our actual, uh, we are collecting all of our signatures there. You can follow us on uh, Facebook and the main page that we post a lot to is either Hershey's BSL or the Ottawa Citizens Against BSL. That one is very up to date. We also have United Paws on Instagram, which is another one. And Save Ontario's Pitbull, Save Ontario Pitbulls is another Instagram page. So you can pretty much find us anywhere. Uh, most of the members are in all of the bully groups on Facebook as well. So if you ever post, I am an admin in the Ontario Bullies. If there's ever a BSL question, if you post it, I will be the first person to see it. And that's a good way to contact us if there's any issues, if you, can, if you need to get through to us quickly. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Marta. That was a wealth of information. Um, I'm sure this was incredibly valuable for bully owners and non-bully owners alike. So thank you everybody for tuning in to the Dog Friendly KW podcast. And until next time. Tell your father the witchy now.